Welcome back to Alyssa Explains It All. I am so happy to have you all back here. Today, we have a really amazing guest. She is the Vagina Rehab Zakza on Instagram. And when I saw her Instagram, I was like, well, we found my people. We found them. And her name is Dr. Janelle Howell. She is a pelvic physical therapist and a board-certified women's health specialist. And she has created her platform around being open and honest and creating this kind of inspirational awareness about vaginal health. And she does a great job of educating about pelvic floor health, reproductive health, all of these things. And she really has found a way to make all of these things that like might be kind of boring sound really like interesting. I was I was learning so much this whole episode. We talked about vaginismus and we talked about some other kind of like pelvic floor disorders. Um, we also talked about really good sex because of your pelvic floor. Like you could have a tight pelvic, I think I have a tight pelvic floor guys. That's what I learned in this episode and I'm a little stressed about it, but Dr. Janelle has made me feel a little bit better about it. So I think you all are going to love this episode. There's lots to learn. She is so funny and so knowledgeable. So without further ado, here is Dr. Janelle Howell. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Janelle Howell. I'm so happy to have you here because the second that I saw your Instagram and it was vagina rehab doctor, I was like, well, <laughs> these are my people. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. I'm excited to be here. I can't wait to get into the conversation. Yay, great. What I love so much about your social presence is that you have you're a pelvic physical therapist and a lot of the time I see pelvic physical therapists talk about physical therapy when it comes to like having babies and things, but you include a lot of like the sex portion of it into the conversation. And I so appreciate that because I think like so often, especially for women, sex is like disregarded as something that like, yeah, it doesn't really matter that much. And we know that that's very much not true. So I love that about the content that you create. Thank you. Yeah, I definitely love talking about it. Um, you know, as a pelvic physical therapist, that's like where sex happens, you know, yeah. in, in the pelvis. And so it's it's a disservice, I feel, if we're not educating people about it, um, especially because we have that platform to work with so many different people. So I love talking about sex. <laughs> people are probably tired of it. Like, oh, my gosh, she goes talking about the clitoris again. <laughs> Here she goes. Do you have any like one sex fact that you feel like like specifically blows people's minds. Hmm. Like the one for me is when I explain that the clitoris is like actually quite long and is well beyond the little head and the hood. Yeah. Okay. So here's a fact. A lot of people have heard that if your pelvic floor is strong, that that can help you with your orgasms. Mm -hmm. And that can be true if your pelvic floor is very weak. Yeah. But I'd also like to say if your pelvic floor is tight and tense by releasing some of the, the tension and the tightness and the restrictions in the pelvic floor, your pelvic floor muscle can contract better and therefore stimulate your clitoris better and you can orgasm much stronger. So I've worked with people, I, I have clients that I work with virtually and I'm just training them on exercises, how to release tension. And literally that's like one of the biggest changes that we see aside of just getting sex to not hurt 
is yeah. that they notice that their orgasms get stronger when they actually relax their pelvic floor. You know what? I love that because I feel like there was a period of time where I guess it was kind of when I was younger, where everyone was just like obsessed with this fake story that your your vagina gets loose like over time and you have to do kegels to make sure that everything stays tight yeah and then i later learned that like you could potentially be doing too many kegels and tighten up everything down there and make it painful but i also saw a post that you shared and it was like four ways to know if your pelvic floor is too tight and i'm swiping through them i'm like well that sounds like me (laughs) (laughs) that kind of sounds like me you out there huh i I was all of them i was like calling me out in the wild oh my gosh but it was so funny like i never like it's just not even a concern that i wanted to happen i wanted people to see themselves yes and you know what i it's it's like funny because i remembered seeing this a long time ago looking at it and being like, I don't think that's me. And then today I looked at it again and I was like, what? Like, that's all completely me, all of it. Okay, it was four habits. Yeah. Um, if you're listening to this only in audio, it was from January 17th. Four habits that are actually signs of excess pelvic floor tightness. The first one was clenching your jaw and grinding your teeth, which I absolutely do. <laughs> the second one was sucking in your belly a lot. I definitely do. And I think that's like a... a su- <laughs> a subconscious habit that I have. Mm -hmm. I I don't know what that is, but every time I remember to release that, I'm like, oh my God, that feels so much better. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you know what? There's so much pressure, you know, as as women and as people with a female body, there's so much pressure to have a certain physique. I mean, we learn it from a very young age. I mean, even when you're like eight, nine, 10, you might've learned to like suck your, your tummy in so that you can look smaller. A lot of my clients don't even know how to breathe correctly because their abdominal wall has been sucked in for so long, their diaphragm is not working correctly. So then that shoots off to pelvic floor dysfunction. And so let that belly hang, let it hang. <laughs> Your vagina will love that. Yes. It's like, oh, it feels so good. Literally, it felt like, ah. Oh. <laughs> it yeah. was great. Oh, if you prefer to pee just in case, I do a just in case pee like 10 times before I go to bed because I don't want to wake up in the middle of the night. I wake up in the middle of the night anyway. I don't know why I do that. Yeah, you you definitely need some pelvic physical therapy. The last one, <laughs> this the last one on this list is when you squeeze your whole body really tight in order to have an orgasm. Yep. The way that I, I literally give myself rigor mortis, like I- yes. Listen, when I tell you, some (laughs) of my clients were telling me, and you know what? I'm so, I'm so grateful for not just what I've learned in school, but what I learned from my clients, Mm -hmm. what I'm learning from my clients, especially my clients with painful sex, vaginismus. That's when like things can't get into the vagina, penis can't get in, tampon can't get in, a finger can't even, some people, a Q-tip is not able to get in. And it's, it's more like a neuromuscular condition where the brain and, and the mind is, is overstimulated and. In that person's mind, the brain thinks that vaginal insertion is dangerous. So it's difficult for that to happen. I found that for a lot of my clients with painful sex, whether it's like burning, you know, spasm, painful sex, that they have a pelvic floor that is not able to let go. Mm-hmm. So that means that their muscles are like, hell, imagine holding your fist like really tight Clenched all day all long. Time. Yeah, it. it can't contract if it's fully contracted. It can't do anything else. Yeah. So for my clients that are trying to achieve that orgasm, many of them have to clench their whole bodies together 
in order to make up for what the pelvic floor is not able to do. Wow. So they're trying to get more muscle engagement because the pelvic floor is stuck. It's like, sorry, we're too tight. We can't do nothing. Right. Let's just clench the butt. Let's clench the thighs. <laughs> Let's clench our belly. Let's clench everything because the body needs that muscle engagement in order to sort of trigger that orgasm. And yeah, it's, it's a common symptom for people that have pelvic floor tension. That's so wild. And it's like... <sighs> I say this all the time and I feel like a broken record. It's just crazy that we don't learn about any of this unless we seek it out as an adult. So yeah. I like if we had all learned that earlier yeah. on in life and, and gotten yeah. the right information, maybe we wouldn't all be course correcting along the way. Right. Right. So one, so one thing I just want to quickly say, if someone is experiencing that and it's even leading to pain because you tense your body so tight just to get to the orgasm, then I think that there's help, right? Mm -hmm. You know, because some people might be like, hey, this is my technique, this is my trick, and this yeah. is what this is. then that's great. And you know, that works. But if you find that you're it's creating pain, like I have some people that said they get spasms after the orgasm because they were clenching their whole body that strongly. Mm -hmm. So if that's happening to you, I would just look into getting a pelvic floor muscle exam. Um, and I go into other ways to know if your pelvic floor is, is too tight or even weak on my Instagram page. But a pelvic floor physical therapist could could definitely at least do that examination for you. You've inspired me to really like seek out that appointment because I literally did not even putting all of that together is just like, oh, my God, blew my mind. What is <laughs> what is the connection between the jaw and the pelvic floor? I know you had described it in the post, but just so in case anybody yeah. else has had that experience. So so the jaw and the pelvis is fascinating, first mm -hmm. of all, because it, those are the two outlets. So you have the mouth, which is the outlet of verbal expression. And then you have the pelvis, which is the outlet of like creation in general. This is literally where humans are created, but also erotic expression. And so the outlets, it means that things can get out, right? Uh, food can get out of your mouth, saliva from your pelvis, blood, if you're a woman, you know, if you're a man, semen, all of that. But it also means that things can get into the body. So your, your, your mouth is this outlet where things can get in that could potentially be harmful. And even for your pelvic floor, this is the gateway. So like, let's say someone who's experienced trauma, or maybe they struggle with a lot of anxiety, their brain wants to tell those areas to shut down, to close off, to prevent further, you know, amounts of danger or dysfunction. And so you might find yourself clenching your jaw because of anxiety. All right. Wow. Because of not feeling safe, because of stress. Right. So the body wants to clench and close off the openings to sort of say, hey, we're under uh, construction. We're really stressed right now. No visitors allowed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so it's a nervous system thing. But then also there are some actual physical connections. There's a fascial connection line that goes from literally your jaw all the way down to your pelvis. What? So, yeah, if you if you touch where your jaw is, where your TMJ joint is, and you press on it enough, and if you do a strong Kegel, you can actually feel your jaw contract. Contract. I just, just did it, and I felt it. Yeah, just from your pelvic floor squeezing. So the way I'm if, going to have every single person listen, around me do that now. Listen, if your jaw is tight, if you have TMJ issues, clicking, you got to wear. Some people have to wear a a uh, a mouth guard. At night, I, I wear a mouth guard. <laughs> Listen, if you're wearing a mouth guard, it's a good chance that your vagina is also guard, guarded. Literally, yeah. it's probably tense, right? 
I would say mainly it's probably nervous system, but there is that that actual fascial connection mm-hmm. that is connecting the two muscle groups. Wow. I've learned so much already, and we've been in here for like 10 minutes. <laughs> you are a wealth of knowledge. Wow. Oh, thank you. Thank oh, my you. God. I'm just so happy you're here. Originally, I reached out to you because I had a – I get pretty much any time I do like a sex ed questions box on Instagram – um, I get asked about vaginismus and I don't ever feel like I could give general advice, but I'm certainly not like a therapist and I don't want to give any sort of medical advice, yeah. but you have a very, um, deep knowledge of vaginismus. Mm-hmm. So, um, I wanted to know, I guess, well, could you explain what vaginismus is for people who don't know? Sure. So vaginismus is a form of pelvic floor dysfunction that can make it extremely difficult, painful, or even impossible to achieve vaginal insertion. So you may have noticed when you were like 12, 13, that you could not get a tampon in, no matter how you how much you tried, prayed, meditated, mm-hmm. you know, all of it, okay? <laughs> um, but then also, let's say that you're now trying to be intimate, right? Penis and vagina sex, or maybe a toy inside of the vagina, and it may feel like it's hitting a brick wall. So I have clients right now that I'm working with um, that have been married for several years and they've never had sexual intercourse. And so this, as you can imagine, is devastating for relationships, just your overall stress level, self-esteem, all of that. Um, and so you, what I do is I work with my clients to learn how to relax their pelvic floor muscles. And these are the muscles that surround the vagina. And these are some strong muscles. Yeah. <laughs> because listen, if it can stop a penis from getting in, these these muscles are clenched up. And so it's not just tightness though, it's also neuromuscular. Mm-hmm. And so the brain is is interpreting vaginal insertion as dangerous. Mm-hmm. So there can be an autonomic spasm of the vaginal muscles that prevent things from getting inside. And so this has literally become my number one thing to treat. I love Treating vaginismus. I'm in the works of creating a support group just for vaginismus. I have an email club literally just for vaginismus. So all my emails are tailored to it. And I'm working with my clients with it. And many of them are getting better. Like I've worked with people who who could not do anything, came to me as a virgin, not by choice, but because they could not. And then a couple months down the line, they're having sex two, three times a week. That must feel so gratifying. But in like, I rem- I worked with a, a sex coach who was a somatic practitioner. And this was like over a year ago. Um, and she worked with a lot of women who experienced tightness and did went the somatic route, I guess. So doing like, um, she would do what she calls vulva hugs. So like putting your hand over the vulva and like taking deep breaths and sort of like Really, I guess now that I'm thinking back at it, I think what she was really doing was relaxing the pelvic floor in some way. Mm-hmm. And the the most amazing part of it for me, I wasn't obviously the practitioner, but to be a kind of um, outside party and watching these women who have experienced, like you're saying, years and years of marriage without yeah. being able to have sex with their partner and yeah. then to be able to achieve that again, it's like so emotional and so, oh my God, like to see it happen in front of your eyes, it feels like magic. It's amazing. Absolutely. And that's why I love treating it because of the transformation. I Mm -hmm. mean, these people, you come in like literally almost on the verge of giving up. I mean, there's so many doubts of, can you can imagine what people are thinking of their own vaginas? Like my vagina is broken. It's not, 
It's not going to stretch. It's it's just, you know, and there's so many things that's going on. But listen, I, I get excited. I'm like, listen, we're about to do this because I know because I've seen it happen. So I, I have the confidence that they don't have. And I will say that I think it is a lot of somatic and neuromuscular and, and brain involved. It's not just the pelvic floor. It's sort of a combination of pelvic floor tension, but also avoidant behavior. So mm. I have not worked with one client that did not have some level of fear, either fear of insertion, fear of pain, or fear of sex. One of, one of the three, usually. And um, one of the biggest questions that I think is helpful for them is literally asking them. I asked them this on day one. Why do you think you have vaginismus? Interesting. And that is able to help them to go deeper, right? Because yeah. it's not just dilators. It's not just stretching. It's like, what's going on in your head? Or do you have any fear or any apprehension? And we call that stuff out. I have to <laughs> help them reshape their belief systems. And we go from there. That's so great. I'm so glad that your approach also includes like kind of unpacking all of that stuff. That's so important. I love that. Absolutely. And I don't, you know, I let them know that it's encouraged to get a sex therapist, a mental health care provider. I am not a mental health care provider, right? I cannot give counseling. But I do think that some questions can just help them to process and give them some things to think about. And even changing their mindset with insertion, because they're just, mm -hmm. if you're just trying to force things in your vagina, then I think that contributes to why people are like using dilators for years and can't progress to sex because they're not sort of aware of what they may be thinking inside of their head. Do you know how many people are typically affected by, by vaginismus? I'm sure there are plenty that don't even know that that's what's going on, it, but. It, it varies greatly by culture and region. I mm -hmm. think in some parts of Asia and Africa, it's like 30%. Um, it's as low, I wanna say between about five to 8% in the United States for, religious women and evangelical Christian women, it's one in four. Oh my God. 25%. I want to be more surprised by that, but I'm kind of not. <laughs> You're like, oh my God, how could I, this happen? I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, I was right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's so many contributing factors. Um, yeah. Religion, of course, being one, but not just religion. There's like, if someone had a lot of enemas growing up, and that was traumatic for them. They mm -hmm. may have learned to sort of clench whenever something's going inside or maybe their first um, pap smear or pelvic exam was traumatic, painful. And so now they're associating um, pain or, or even people that have, have a baby. I had mm -hmm. someone, listen to this story, y'all. <laughs> I had someone that did not work with me one-on-one. -on -one. She just came to my monthly vag stretch labs. And I do my vag stretch labs on the first Sunday of every single month. It's only $17, okay? So wow. we do pelvic floor release exercises, breathing strategies. I'm teaching people how to disconnect with their vagina and their pelvic floor. And this one lady, I didn't even know, you know, I didn't know who she was. I didn't know she signed up. She had vaginismus after giving birth. Oh. And not even giving birth vaginally, a C-section. Wow. She developed vaginismus. She could not have sex with her husband for two years after giving birth, she started coming to my vast stretch labs. And literally yesterday, February 1st, I got a testimonial from her saying that she was coming to my stretch labs last year and she eventually was able to have sex. The first time she tried it again, it was pain-free. It was great. 
Wow. And all she did was my stretch laps. So sometimes it's not like, because some people can't afford to see a pelvic physical therapist. Mm-hmm. Some people don't have the time or maybe they're not comfortable with a professional, you know, putting their finger in their vagina. Fair. Right? So, exactly. <laughs> there are options. So, you know, there's hope. Even if you don't have vaginismus, any form of pelvic floor dysfunction, there's hope. Yeah. What do you think would be a warning sign for somebody to like seek out any sort of guidance? And I also think like on the note of, of having these services be accessible. It's really like wonderful that you have like tiers to the services that you provide. Like even $17 is something that that is affordable for most people. And that's just like so wonderful. I'm so grateful that you do that. But what would be some warning signs for someone who should maybe like, maybe there's something going on down there. Maybe like it's not something I should be brushing past. Yeah. The biggest things I would say is all the P's. So P, poop pleasure, pregnancy, and postpartum. Mm -hmm. So if you pee your pants at all, I mean, if you piss even a little bit, (laughs) when you're laughing, coughing, jumping, uh, sneezing, that is urinary incontinence, okay? So that is a sign that your pelvic floor is struggling a little bit in some way. It might be too tight. It's not all the time that it's weak, okay? Mm -hmm. So that's a myth that if you're leaking or having any issues that your pelvic floor is weak, right? Um, so frequent urination, right? You, you kind of got on this a little bit, right? If you're peeing constantly, it's a little bit of a combination of your nervous system and your pelvic floor muscles. So if your pelvic floor is really tight because it's under the bladder, your mm-hmm. bladder is on top, your pelvic floor is below. If it's tight, your pelvic floor will actually be lifted and too high. And that can press on your bladder, confusing your brain into thinking that you have to pee constantly. Wow. Yeah. And That's then so it might even make it feel like you have to pee like immediately like get out the way i want to be i'm not gonna wait right that urgent sense of urination Mm -hmm. pelvic floor and nervous system wow it's it's crazy um how strong those muscles actually are i remember the first time i saw a diagram of like the whole kind of pelvic system and the pelvic floor is correct me if i'm wrong it's like a system of muscles that sit sort of at like the bottom of the bowl <laughs> yes yes it's, literally a bowl yeah and 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 i'll continue because i know you said what are some of the signs that something is wrong so yes urinary leakage frequent urination but also you have to push your pee out a lot of my clients tell me they oh is that you again no 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 thank god no <laughs> okay, okay so sometimes people put sit on the toilet and they have to sort of push a little bit to get all their pee out yeah and so if the pelvic floor muscles are too constricted that can be closing off the urethra and just making it harder to empty your bladder. But this is, so the pelvic floor muscles is actually shaped like a bowl and it's like a storage bin, an emotional storage bin. So you, can you imagine if you just had a really traumatic experience, anything sexual, yeah. or even if you're just in a constant state of stress? Yeah. Listen, those pelvic floor muscles will remember. They will remember. And so they're going to be guarded, right? Again, because this is the outlet. This mm-hmm. is how things can get into your body and get out. And your pelvic floor is like, oh my gosh, we're so done. Yeah. Let's just close, close up the shop. And everything becomes guarded. And mm-hmm. when the pelvic floor guards, it's hard to release. Mm-hmm. To release poop. So that's where constipation comes in. Maybe you're eating all the fiber. You're drinking the water. You're still constipated. You're still straining. You got to mm-hmm. pray meditate, use a stool, use magnesium. <laughs> you got to do all these things just to poop. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So so that is another major sign. Any any changes after having a baby, of course, weakness, 
Um, painful sex is a big one. Mm-hmm. And even difficulty orgasming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a pretty solid list. And I and when it comes to the painful sex, you had said somewhere in a post that like how dehumanizing it is to have painful sex with a partner, like just so that for like for your partner's benefit. Yeah, that's so true. And I think it then starts to like the issue perpetuates itself because you're like re-traumatizing yourself over and over and over again. Yes. And and it's so. For me, it's almost like, oh my gosh, how can you not see this? Because a lot of my clients, they're like, what's going on, Janelle? Um, I have such pain with sex, but where did my libido go? It's gone. I'm like, sis, your brain is literally telling you to pull your hand away from the stove. If you touch the stove and it's hot, you do not even have to think about pulling your hand away from that stove. It happens automatically. Mm -hmm. And so over time, if sex is not satisfying, your brain will say, please don't do this again mm-hmm. because it's painful. It's excruciating. Like we said, it's somewhat even dehumanizing to torture yourself for the sake of someone else. So get help. I mean, it's understandable though. When you love someone, you want them to be happy. Right, right. And of course we all feel like we have sort of responsibilities in a relationship. Maybe you feel like you need to cook or you feel like you need to, I don't know, rub his penis or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, we all got these little responsibilities. But, you know, when when it's torture, when it's at the point where it's like, this is hurting me, then listen, pelvic physical therapy. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes it is medical conditions and you would like, it would be great to rule that out first. So see your gynecologist, make sure you don't have like endometriosis, fibroids, mm-hmm. you know, polyps. But once that's been cleared, um, the next thing is to to look into seeing a pelvic physical therapist. That's I love that. That's great. I hope yeah. that everyone who's listening who's had any sort of symptoms of this kind of feels like a clearer path to what they can do and what their options are, because everyone deserves to have, you know, to be free from that stress and yes. to really like be able to enjoy sex and to be able to like have normal peas and use yeah. tampons when you need to. And I think even Part of what's really nice is when you were talking about, this is like the train of thought that I had lost earlier, when you were talking about even just opening up the conversation, that really like starting to open up your client. I think it's even just because like people don't get asked that question. People Mm -hmm. don't get asked like, why do you think you have this problem? And they don't really have the space to explore it. And so, you know, giving them the platform, giving them the space to be like, Let's let's just talk it out. Let's like yeah. dig through the weeds and figure it out. Must just feel so good. Absolutely. And especially because I think when people are looking for help, they've gone through a lot of the solutions already. Maybe mm-hmm. they've gone online, they've been through Google, YouTube, they're following the influencers, and they've likely even tried a professional just like me already. Mm-hmm. So I, it's really important for me to see what do they think is going on? Because you're the expert on your own body, right? And so if I just start treating you, doing this with you, and you're like, listen, I know this is happening because I'm super stressed and and, and my spouse at home is beating me every night. Mm -hmm. You know, like, okay, so (laughs) I know I need to get you help in a different area because what I'm doing is essentially going to not be very helpful. There's another form of pelvic floor dysfunction I didn't mention. It's called prolapse. Mm -hmm. And... This is a condition where the organs, either the uterus, the vagina, the rectum, or the bladder drops. Mm -hmm. So, and usually it drops into the vaginal canal. So you might feel like there's a bulge or something heavy, or maybe like you're sitting on a ball. 
heaviness, pressure into the vagina, that is prolapse. And it's it's diagnosed by a medical provider, so you can't diagnose yourself. Um, but that's also something that we do. So your pelvic floor is responsible for keeping your uterus up. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you think about it, what's keeping the vagina long and elongated? If we have gravity, what in the world is preventing our vagina from just collapsing? Mm-hmm. It's the pelvic floor muscles that support the uterus, the cervix. And so if you're having those symptoms after birth, a pelvic floor physical therapist can help you strengthen, train, breathe better, feel more confident and feel less symptoms um, if you're struggling with prolapse. Does the pelvic floor also help with holding like a baby? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. That makes sense. That's a really good question, actually, because if the pelvic floor is really weak or even just weak, period, you may feel more heaviness when you're pregnant and a lot of pressure in your pelvic floor. You might also start leaking. So a lot of my clients that are pregnant, they're like, I didn't have any urinary leakage before. I'm pregnant now. Now I sneeze and I'm peeing. I'm laughing. and I'm Oh, peeing. my God. Yeah. It's really common. But honestly, I want to advocate for people to prioritize their pelvic and vaginal health before the baby, before the baby, please do not wait. Now, this doesn't mean that there's any shame if you already had a baby. It's never too late to go get help, right? The The best time to go get help is now. Yeah. I uh, spoke to a pelvic floor therapist like sometime in the summer, and she said the same thing, that the biggest mistake that people make is waiting until they've either it's like too close or they've had the baby and she's had experiences where people were pregnant came to her like i think she does like she said six weeks before i can't remember what the time frame was and their delivery is way smoother too yes and listen the the benefits of a healthy pelvic floor is we cannot exhaust them all Mm -hmm. so one, one of the things that the pelvic floor has to do is get out of the freaking way so Mm -hmm. the baby can get out right because that again that's the pelvic outlet if you were if you remove the pelvic floor muscles yeah it's just a big bony opening (laughs) and that's what allows the baby to get out right women who have tense pelvic floor muscles they're more likely to have a longer second stage labor And they're more than likely to have a C-section because it's difficult for the baby to actually pass through that canal. But then on the other end, the strength and the tone of those muscles can help turn the baby's head so that the baby doesn't come sunny side up when it comes out. I got to tell (laughs) you, there is a girl on TikTok. And they people will tag her. They'll be like, where's the girl with the list? She has an ongoing list of things that happen while you're pregnant or could possibly happen while you're pregnant or once you have kids. Yeah. And so every now and then I get these things on my TikTok where it's like, just even hearing that, like turning, turning, yeah. baby turning around. I'm like, where's the girl with the list? Because the baby turns around in your belly. Yeah. It's just so yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's amazing. The The human body is amazing. And the yeah. pelvic floor is here to support all your goals. Yeah. Like really what your goals are for your pelvis and your sexual health, bladder control, and just feeling more connected because mm-hmm. I feel there's a disconnection, especially for women and people who are born with vaginas. Because if you're a man and you were born with a penis, you have to touch your penis several times a day mm-hmm. just to pee. Yeah. 
you're also sort of normalized to like sex. It's like normal. If you don't like sex, you people actually assume something's wrong with you if you're a man. It's like, he doesn't want to have sex with you. Oh my gosh. Is he straight? Is he, you know, we start coming with all these different things. But then if we look at women and people who are born with a vagina, I tell my clients just to look with a mirror. Mm -hmm. I want to say like half of them are like, ew, no, I would never. They don't want to. There's a disconnection and there's a lot of shame that we're carrying. Mm -hmm. So it's not even just about just fixing problems. It's about connecting with your body again. Yeah. It's about restoring the trust with your body. Like I told my client the other day, I was like, listen, this week your job is to date your vagina. <gasps> I love it. Listen, I said, you, I want you to put one finger inside because she has vaginas. Go have private time and go put your finger in. And it's not even for pleasure. It's literally for exploration. Mm -hmm. Get yourself used to things going in and out. Like vaginal use is practical. Yes. Beyond just pleasure and orgasms, there's tampons, there's pelvic exams, there's changing your period products. And then of course there's sex and having babies. And if you grow up thinking that you're not supposed to touch it at all, and it's, you're doomed for hell. If you just touch, listen, <laughs> that that's setting you up for, and I'm a Christian. I yeah. believe in God and the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that I don't believe that God wants us to be afraid of ourselves. Yeah. And we get told so much that like it's inappropriate. All these things are inappropriate. It's inappropriate to touch yourself, inappropriate to look at yourself. But it's, it's not appropriate for men. Yeah. But it's not, it's not inappropriate for men. And also it's very appropriate to know how your body works. Very. I don't know why that's inappropriate. Like <laughs> very. And I, and I was, I'm glad you brought that up. And this is what someone said. She's a pastor. And her name is is uh, escaping me, but she encourages women to honor their sexuality and also honor God at the same time. And she said one time that ignorance is not encouraged anywhere in the Bible mm -hmm. or in any religion. It's not encouraged technically. And that includes sexual ignorance and just the anatomy and the physiology of the of the body. Mm -hmm. And I like to tell people that that. Um, that God is the creator of life. That's my personal belief system. If God is the creator of life, I've telling I've been telling more people about something called clitoral atrophy. Mm -hmm. And what happens is that if the if the clitoris does not get enough blood flow, it it atrophies. Yeah. Like I have clients where the clitoral head is not is not seen. Right. The hood has fused over. Literally, wow. and this can happen from lichen sclerosis, which is like an inflammatory skin condition. It can happen from like maybe getting chemotherapy and different hormonal things, but it can also happen from birth control use, prolonged use of birth control and or prolonged use of sexual inactivity. Yeah. And I say, you know what? I'm not going to say whether masturbation is right or wrong because it's, it's not in the Bible and I don't want to sort of make people feel a certain way if they're not yeah. comfortable with it. But in terms of the clitoris literally atrophying, my God is the author of life. Yes. So I know that he does not want any part of my body atrophying. Mm -hmm. So take that how you want to take it, but something needs to happen. Like maybe you need to just touch it every now and then because yeah. th that's the only part of the body that we think is going to thrive by ignoring it. Every other body and body part, we understand, like, if we don't use this body part, it can stiffen up. It can become dysfunctional. It's the same thing for our genitals and our pelvic floor muscles. 
that I've never heard anyone word it that way, but that's so that's such a beautiful way to word it that every other body part we understand you need to use it or you like lose it and whatever. Yeah. That, I, yeah and I, I don't understand why we don't transfer that over to the genital area too. Yeah. That's so crazy. Right. And, 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 you know, and I don't want it to, um, I don't want to instill fear. So yeah. it's not like, oh my gosh, you had, you stop having sex today and then next week your clitoris is gone. Right. So it, it's actually somewhat rare. I would say maybe about mm, 10% of people notice it, but let's, let's start off with just looking at our clitoris. This can help a lot mm -hmm. because if you look at your clitoris, your vulva, at least once a month, you can see the changes. Mm -hmm. If you don't look, it's it's difficult, impossible to know if there's a change yes. and, and whether it's appropriate to go tell your doctor. Yes, totally. You need to know what it looks like when it's normal so that should anything happen, exactly. you at least have a baseline. Absolutely. And I think you gain a better appreciation for all of the things that your body is capable of when you really spend the time and like look at it. Yeah. Especially because there's so many people who feel like like vulvas are gross or, you know, whatever, that they have like bigger lips or like, and when you really like, first of all, everyone needs to go to the vulva gallery and just look at all of the different exactly. vulvas that exist. Every, every person with a vulva needs to see that. Yes. And men too. And they should. Too. Yes. Yeah. Just to expose yourself because we don't really get any like examples of, of yeah. all types of vulvas. So that would be a great place to start and then being able to really like spend time with yours and she's cute and she she's not gross yes and i have i get so many messages i actually just asked this yesterday in my stories i asked you know what's your biggest insecurity about your vagina your mm -hmm. body your vulva and there were so many people saying that they think that their vulva is just gross and ugly and and strange because their inner lips protrude out further mm -hmm. or their inner lips are bigger or one side is bigger than the other. And you know what? I got to say this and I hope no one is offended by this. You know, have, have you heard the term big dick energy? Yes. <laughs> Listen, we need to have big vulva energy. Yes. I've never met a man that's discouraged because his penis is too big. I have literally never met a man. So if you got if you got the tissue, baby, you got the vulva, you got the lips. Your your vulva is like the wrapping paper to to you as a gift. It's like your wrapping paper. I love that. And so listen, rock that big vulva energy. It is normal and it's erectile. This means it can help you to get more aroused. It helps with your orgasm. It fills with blood. So there's nothing to be ashamed about, honey. I love it. BVE. I love it. You need yeah. to print that on a t-shirt and I will wear it all the time. I did. I tried, but people were like, do you expect me to wear this in public? This is embarrassing. <laughs> so I got to think of a new, a uh, uh, new merch line, something a little bit less. You can have it just maybe. be like BVE and <laughs> edit and whoever asks, you know what? They asked. So uh, okay. Maybe I could do the abbreviation. I yeah. <laughs> Maybe that was the problem. I had it completely spelled it. It was like big, bold, <laughs> No, but it's such a thing that when you work in like industries like this, everything feels so normalized and which is amazing. Like once you, once you say vulva over and over and over, like it, it doesn't have that same power that it did, oh, oh. which like I wish 
people would do. I wish that anybody who is a vulva owner would just say vulva over and over and over again. And like you could say it in like silly voices if it makes you feel more comfortable and just do it over and over again. It'll become so normal to you. And I think that helps as part of accepting your body. Yeah, the language and mm-hmm. things we say is so important. And even among healthcare professionals, there's a lack of language around vulva. Mm-hmm. I mean, even some of my colleagues, um, I've heard someone say before, like, you know, I don't shave my vagina. And I'm like, I hope you don't. <laughs> yeah. How could you shave on the inside of your vagina? Like, and they didn't even get it for a while. They were like, oh, vulva. So, you know, I think it's important. The vulva is everything that we see on the outside. Mm-hmm. Literally, every, even the vaginal opening is part of the vulva. The, mm-hmm. the vagina the is the tube. It's only the inside tube that we cannot even see. Okay? Right, right. So all of that is vulva. And it's important because that's where the clitoris lives. Yes. The vulva. Yes. So we got to put some respect. We do. the name of the vulva. <laughs> Literally, my, so I did a Netflix show like a year and a half ago, I guess now. And, well, it came out, did it come out? Oh, yeah, it came out last year. And my, I had a vulva pillow with me. And that's what most people remember me from is my vulva pillow. Yes. I know and, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, because that was like, I need everyone to understand vulvas. I need everyone to know what that is. I need everyone to understand the difference between vagina and vulva because yes. because the vulva is where all the action, that's where all the good stuff happens. Yes. Yes, exactly. I have the I have the same thing and it's it really helps because I think a lot of people are such visual learners. Mm-hmm. And so this is not the one I have, but I'll use this. So literally like we said earlier, everything that you see, the clitoris, the labia, even the vaginal opening, like all of this is the vulva. Mm-hmm. And if you have pain, especially right at the vaginal opening, like burning, stinging, sometimes even itchiness, if it's not a yeast infection or if it's not like due to low hormone levels or something, mm-hmm. it's probably something called vulvodynia. Oh, yes. I've heard of that. No, There's so many people struggling with this. Yeah. Years and years, their relationship is struggling. I have clients who stop dating because of this. I mean, it's serious, but usually the pelvic floor muscles are involved. Mm-hmm. So I work with them on relaxing their pelvic floor, even their posture. A lot of people have horrible posture. Oh, I have horrible posture. <laughs> I really, this is becoming <laughs> Chanel. <laughs> but anyway, so a lot of people um, don't know. And when I say posture, I don't just mean whether you sit up really tall or like mm-hmm. south where you sit. I also mean the positioning of your structures. Like some people have a, um, a shoulder blade that's higher than the other, even a little bit. Wow. So postural alignment is off. Some people have a pelvis that's like elevated on one side. Maybe they have scoliosis. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many different things that can contribute to how your body is held, mm-hmm. not just the way you sit, but that is, of course, included in it. Everything is so connected. Yeah, of course. Yes, girl. It's so wild. Um, I also saw another post that you did. Well, actually, we're filming this in or taping this, whatever, recording this in February. So it's Black History Month. And I saw you had done a post about um, the differences in healthcare for Black women specifically, specifically pelvic healthcare. And in that post, you had said that it's like three to four times more likely to suffer maternal mortality which that i knew but also 20 percent more likely to have a c-section why yes listen do you have time yeah 
<laughs> I have time. So, I have all the time in the okay. world for you. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the reality of the situation is that the origin of our history comes from racist origins, mm -hmm. right? We got here from slavery mm -hmm. and that wasn't that long ago, no. right? So some of those people that brought us here and that, you know, had their plantations or whatever, some of their, some of their children's children are now doctors. Right. And there was a study done recently that showed that actually a good percentage of doctors actually believe that black women cannot feel pain. I've heard that, this that before. We can't feel pain. And so that that's a, like a holdover from the days of slavery mm -hmm. that made them feel better for whipping us and treating us as slaves. Oh, they can't feel pain, right? And that even holds over a little bit to, in, to our culture or my culture as a black woman, right? There's this idea that I have to be strong and that we're resilient and that we can go through anything and bounce back. Mm -hmm. And so when you have that concept as a medical provider, then you're not going to respond as easily or as readily or as compassionately when someone says that they're in pain. Right. Um, so being pregnant, going into labor, if you're saying, okay, something is off, I need help you're less likely to believe a woman with black skin, brown skin, because you you have these ideas, these racist ideas in your head. There's also health disparities that also contribute um, different things like uh, we're more than likely to have um, uh, essentially like high blood pressure while you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. But it, it even goes to show that for women who are um, established, like Beyonce and Serena Williams. I mean, even with the best doctors, even with the best hospitals, you're just less likely to be cared for in a manner that is conducive to your health. So we're dying at, at rates three to four times the rate as, as, um, as white women. And then when it comes to C-section, some of the same things. I mean, if, if your labor is not progressing, if you have higher levels of stress, Right. If you're at a hospital where, you know, the, the care is poor, if you don't have good health insurance, mm -hmm. I mean, many of these things are going to contribute to the birthing process, just not progressing very well. Um, yeah. So we are getting C-sections. Right. Um, much higher rates. Yeah. It's so it's so wild. So much of it is system systematic and goes back like it's not even really that far, but it's in like the bones of the way that doctors are being taught. And I can't understand how that's so just like disappointing. And to know that the statistic exists, that's not the first time I've seen that to yeah. know it exists. And it's relatively well known and still something that's persisting now just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it doesn't make any sense, but it makes sense to me yeah. only because I've been hearing things like the, I'm, I'm black, right? So I'm hearing of police brutality against mm -hmm. black men that are disproportionate to white men. I'm hearing of birth outcomes that are disproportionate to white women for black, I mean, fibroids, even STDs. I mean, the list goes on. And mm -hmm. so for me, it's unfortunately, I'm sort of desensitized to it, Yeah, but there there's just so much discrimination and there's so much racial injustice, not just in this country, throughout the world. Mm -hmm. And it impacts every fiber of our being, mm -hmm. And every industry that you interact with too, which is just oh like- Oh gosh, please don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seeing it carry over to all these different things, it's just like, 
it's just really discouraging. So, I mean, I would imagine the, the best thing that Black women can do in circumstances like this is continue to advocate for themselves. But do you have any other like suggestion for someone who feels like their pain is not really being taken seriously or like maybe their their doctors are not really mm-hmm. doing what So they number have to do? one, I would say if you can get someone who is less likely to be racist. I mean, yeah. Number one. And, yeah. and, you know, and every, every black doctor is not a good doctor. Every white doctor is not racist. So right. it's, it's important to state that. But beyond that, if you can sort of get with someone who you feel that understands you culturally, who maybe you walk in with purple hair, but they know that this, that does not mean that you're ghetto or uneducated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, someone who understands you from an ethnic standpoint. So get a doctor who looks like you if you can. Yeah. Number two, I would say get a doula. Get a doula, mm-hmm. someone who can come to the birth with you, to the uh, the process of giving birth with, birth with you. Because when you're dad trying to have a baby, there's only so many things you can try and focus on, okay? Right. If you're in a lot of pain, you're probably panicking, and the, the more relaxed you are, the better your outcomes. And then number three, focus on your health. Mm-hmm. In a proactive way. I mean, it gets down to super simple stuff like exercise. I mm-hmm. mean, pregnancy is literally the Olympics for <laughs> your pelvic floor and your abdominal wall. If you go into pregnancy thinking that you don't have to do anything but just lay down and give birth, mm-hmm. unless you've been putting on, on bed rest from your doctor, you should be moving your body. Yeah. You should be moving your body at least three times a week. Um, if you can go to pelvic physical therapy, great. If you can take a birthing class, great. And if you can't do those things, read. Read mm-hmm. as much as you can. The, listen, the internet is a wealth mm-hmm. of knowledge and it's available to so many of us. So yeah. I think those are the, the biggest three things that you can do yeah. is um, try and get a, a doctor who is um, supportive and passionate about racial justice. And then after that, try and make sure that you have support at your at your birth. So maybe mm-hmm. get a doula. And then number three, make sure that you prepare. This again, this is tr- this is the Olympics. <laughs> so many people after they have a baby, they have all these complaints and they're struggling a lot. Their bodies go through so much. Mm-hmm. And so prepare yourself as much as you can. Movement, nutrition, and get your sleep. I love that. That's great. Yeah. And they should also be following you on Instagram. Because. That goes without saying. If you have a vagina and you're not following me yet, I am so sorry to your vagina. I am sorry for their vaginas too. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I'm giving away free game, free information. People are overcoming dysfunction just from my free posts. Yeah. I mean, it's it it's it's amazing. I hate to toot my own horn, but no, it's, but it, it, it's being tooted. <laughs> Tutu. I will toot it for you all day long because I love everything that you post and we don't get taught any of this. So like seeing it all and being able to like even me, like I'm I'm in the sex ed field. I like look at this stuff all the time and I didn't even consider that all of these little symptoms and things might just be might be a, a pelvic floor situation. Yeah, your pelvic floor and your nervous system is really, really excited. Yeah, my nervous system is like wound tight it's terrible <laughs> that i know yeah I, it's okay there's healing for all of us yeah yeah absolutely absolutely well so for every guest that comes on the show i like to ask if they have any either dating or sex advice that 
they think is like their little golden nugget. So do you have any piece of advice that you would like to impart on the listeners? Oh, that's a really big one. <laughs> Dating advice or sex advice? Mm-hmm. Any kind of advice in that area. Mm, I would say when you're dating someone and you're in that talking phase where it's like, you definitely know that you're interested. The person is liking you, but you're not yet for sure, like exclusive. I would say make sure that they are your biggest fan. Yes. If your person is even a little bit jealous, or let's say you do something and they don't cheer for you, like they don't hype you up, they don't gas you up, that is going to be disappointing. You're going to want that affirmation from someone that's really close to you. And for me, that has been such a big help for me, especially as a content creator. My boyfriend is in law school, but he goes all in for my business. Like that. he is looking for ideas. He's sending me creative ideas for my business. He's connecting me with lawyers. He is, he came up with the name vagina CEO. I love it. Yeah. So he is like my biggest fan. He's the one that pushed me to go independent. I was working at a hospital before and he was like, you're ready. Mm-hmm. It's time for you to fly your wings. He told me, he said, if you stay where you are working for someone else, nine mm-hmm. to five, that working for them will be a cancer to your life. I um, understand that on several levels at this time. Uh, when he said it like that, I was like, oh, I don't want this to be a cancer to my life. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, put in my, I put in a 90-day notice. I gave them ample time. Yeah. And um, I'm independent. So that is so awesome. And it's so amazing that your boyfriend was like, you got this. You got this. Come on. It's been, it's been such a refresher. Like he is behind me 100%. If he's listening, I love you. (laughs) His name is Ryan. I love him. So that's what I would say. If you're dating, like pay attention, like how well do they want you to succeed? Mm -hmm. How well, you know, how happy do they want you to be? Like, just make sure that they're a fan. Yeah. Um, and then sex advice, I would say letting go is the hmm. biggest, most underrated tip. Because hmm. we've listen, we've been told for so long that it, it needs to be tight. Right. There's a lot of unlearning that needs to happen. Yes. When you have a vagina, just the anatomy of sex is receptive, meaning mm-hmm. you have to be open in order to receive. Mm-hmm. Just that alone, if you're closing, you're closing yourself off to blood flow, lubrication, pleasure. You want everything to expand and sort of bloom like a flower. Mm-hmm. If you relax and let go more, I promise you will probably feel more pleasure. You may orgasm. You may shake. You may shout. You may squirt. No, no, no. <laughs> so, listen, it gets good. You just yes. you got you to let go and like really feel what's coming into your body mm-hmm. instead of trying to like be all tense and tight. Yeah. I love that. That is such great advice across the board. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I learned so much. I feel like I have homework. I have to do some investigating on my own. (laughs) And and I appreciate it so much, even though I was just essentially repeatedly called out. Um, It's fine. (laughs) No, please. It's fine. Where can everybody find you? So, I am so active on social media, mm-hmm. Vagina Rehab Doctor on Instagram, on TikTok, Vagina Rehab Doctor. And then my website is vaginarehabdoctor.com. And if you want more structured sort of advice or guidance um, regarding just how to move your body, 
then I invite you to come to my That Stretch Labs. My next one is going to be on March 5th on Sunday. And I'm also having a pleasure masterclass in March. So as spring comes, I want your pleasure to spring too. I love it. So I think it's going to be on March 19th. But um, if you want to stay in the loop, I do have an email club for sexual wellness. And so if you go to my website, Vagina Rehab Doctor, you can stay on top of things there. Um, and then you can just uh, follow me on Instagram to stay updated about my vast stretch labs and also my upcoming pleasure masterclass. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so, so much. Again, this has been like, oh, so I'm so I'm like blown away. Are you going to go see a physical therapist, honey? Literally, yes. I have to make I have to go to the gynecologist. I have an appointment in like two weeks and I'm, I'm going to tell her. Be like, listen. Okay, perfect. Yes. You got to tell them specific problems. Yeah, I will. I will. Yeah. Thanks. All right. I'm here for it. I can't wait to see and hear how your pelvic floor is doing in a few months. Oh, yeah. I will I will literally keep you updated. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a vagina update. Exactly. Any people, any people that I can give vagina updates to, <laughs> those are people that I want to keep in the circle. <laughs> you are too funny. Okay. So I have one quick question for you. Yeah, of course. What made you get into the space of sex education? Well, so when I moved to, I moved to LA originally to get into like doing special effects makeup because I really like scary movies and that kind of thing. I moved there March 1st, 2020. So we shut down like the whole world like two weeks after that. (laughs) So um, that was out of the question for sure. And I needed, I needed a job and a sex coach in the area was looking for an assistant. She was like moving all of these courses to be online and on zoom. And she's like a little bit older. So she just needed some help like getting all that stuff together. And I have always talked about sex openly within my friend group, but I certainly didn't have like a very, like my parents are like, you know, yeah, they talked to me a little bit about it, but they were not like going in depth. They didn't, you know, want to have extensive conversations, but being around this woman, her name is Dolly being around her. I just couldn't believe like what she had found access to in her sex life and just the way she carried herself and like Mm -hmm. moved about the world was just so different. Like she just literally saw the world in a different way because she embraced her sexuality in this like amazing way. And then on top of that, I saw all of these people who were her clients who had drastic changes in in their sex lives. One of the women that I think is like my favorite success story, especially because I was there from the beginning to kind of the end, she had cervical cancer. So she had done, yeah, she'd done chemo for several years. She was finally in remission. She couldn't get anything up her vagina at all. And so she had done, I want to say it was like either four or six weeks of this like somatic practice, which now that I'm thinking about it, like I said, I think it was a lot of like relaxing your pelvic floor and like kind of the mindset of it. She was able to have sex with her husband for the first time in five years. And when she told us, she was like crying and we're crying. And it was just like, oh my God. That's it. Those are the transformational moments. That that. sold me. It sold me. And I was like, I love this. I love this so much. It's a job that not everybody can do purely because you have to be so comfortable talking about things that were previously taught not to talk about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And 
getting used to that takes a little while. But I was yeah. always, I was always pretty good at it. So um, I love that. And then yeah. you just never looked back. I never looked back. Never looked back. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And it's been like a beautiful experience every step of the way. It's like changed my life in a way that I could not have predicted. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm yeah. glad. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And it brought me to you. I know. Listen, <laughs> okay, maybe I need to ask her some sex questions. I got Listen, you. Whatever you here? need. Whatever okay. you need. Okay. One, uh, one question. What, what is your number one sex advice? My number one sex advice is, I would say there's two things. Don't be afraid to use lube because it's, everything is, oh, wetter is always better. So if there's any sort of like friction along the way, just use loop because yeah. it's not, I think there's like um, people feel embarrassed to use it yeah. and they yeah. just shouldn't because it's such a helpful tool. Yes. And the second one is explore your own sexual interests on your own so that you know how to direct your partner on what you like. Woo. Preach, honey, preach. Because <laughs> yes. if, if you don't know what you like, you can't just like every time you have sex can't just be a pop quiz for your partner. <laughs> you Come said on. it, not me. You said I mean, it. Me. I like it's that. true. You're not lying. I know. I know. <laughs> she said, I know. <laughs> I know. So, you know, get yourself a little um a little box of tricks, try some sex toys, or spend a little solo time and figure it out. And then and then you can figure out what you actually want to do with, with your partner. I love your advice. I cannot Thank disagree you. with that. Um, Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well, thanks for having me and thanks for listening, you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. As a reminder, we are always accepting questions about sex ed, about relationships, life advice. We will accept it all. We would love to hear from you. So send us an email to alyssaexplainsitallpod at gmail.com.